She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. We have another jam-packed program for you today, and it's election day. Yeah, midterms are finally upon us. If you're like me and you've been waiting for this day so it can be over with, then welcome to election day. (laughs) It's so good to have this day be a part of what we can get done today. You know how you can make a list? You make a little bit of a list. You, um, you look at the list, you dread the list, you start working on the list. And then before you know it, you're to the end of the list. And maybe one of the items has a date marked on it. And so you're thinking, how can I, how can I just get there? And then it's finally here. Not the anticipation, the sweet anticipation of how many sleeps until Christmas or how many sleeps until vacation, but the sweet anticipation of knowing that tomorrow, no matter what happens, the midterm election will be behind us. And hopefully we can move on to other big things. So welcome to the program. Uh, I've got my I voted sticker on. I don't know if you guys can see it. I voted today. Uh, Low turnout at my precinct, but other precincts around the St. Louis, Missouri area have been packed to the gills with waits of up to an hour and people are pretty excited. Uh, I didn't hear a whole lot of chitter chatter. I did hear a couple who was voting near me going back and forth a little bit over what they were going to vote about certain propositions. I resisted the urge to simply pass them my sample ballot that I'd already filled out and say, here's what you should be voting. I resisted. You proud of me? I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with myself. Uh, But I did think to myself, if you don't know how to vote on that, that's what I'm here for. Anyway, you're not supposed to be electioneering at the polls, so I abided by the rules. Today on the program, we're going to discuss whether or not the tsunami will be blue or red, or will it just be like someone dumping out a bucket of water instead of a tsunami, just a little trickle, meaning that turnout really didn't matter because both sides turned out and the margins are still very close. In order for it to be a tsunami, which is the term that the Democrats have come up with that kind of make them feel like they've got something going... Um, It would have to be an overwhelming smackdown of candidates running on the right. And so far, turnout numbers do not predict that. The turnout, actually early election vote tallies are trending towards the Republicans. There's a possibility that this could be a very good day um, for the Republicans. There's also a possibility that could be a horrible day for the Republicans and that the Democrats could possibly take the House. Um, We'll see. That's what we'll see. So today on the program, here in Hour One, we're going to talk to Jeremy Cady, Missouri State Director for Americans for Prosperity. He's going to discuss AFP's involvement in Missouri, the Senate race, et cetera. And then he's going to give us kind of a little bit of rundown around the country, um, what AFP's been up to. They've been active in every single state, and it's been really good. I'm, I'm happy that um, AFP is still out there doing the good work that they do, that they haven't kind of given up in the Trump era. And I know there's, there, you know, there's always differing viewpoints But I respect all of that, especially when we're talking about motivating voters during election cycle. It's good to have that going on. So we'll be talking to Jeremy here in hour one. We're also going to have a rundown for you this entire show. Uh, We'll be listening to little audio clips of Democrats using language that sounds like they want to kill President Trump. Now, why would I be doing that on Election Day? Well, I think it's really helpful for us to cover double standards. I feel like when when. When you say to me, like, let's just, it's you, just you and me talking here. If you say to me, you don't want me to use 
language that sounds like, you know, murderous killing, you know, kind of incendiary language when I'm talking about us competing against each other, then I'm I'm going to abide by that. But then you use that kind of language when you're talking about me. You want to uh, wring my neck. You want to, um, you know, if shoot me and make sure and shoot to kill and, um, you know, punch in the face, run up and wring the neck, assassinate, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Blowing up. Th- those kinds of uh, phrases are not peaceful, they're not respectful, and they don't indicate the kind of normal competition. It sounds like, you know, it's kind of like war talk. And I'm all about it. You know me, I'm Air Force veteran. I'm, I'm all about it. If you want to talk war, let's talk war. But let's be fair and have the same standards for everyone. And so I use the example of you and me, but the people that we're discussing here are people who oppose President Trump's agenda using this kind of language about him and people who work for him while simultaneously saying that his tone is too harsh. So I have a little bit of audio of President Trump speaking about his regrets just less than 12 hours ago. And I want to listen to that. But first, let's get into the Daily Confession. So today's Daily Confession is Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. This is exciting, okay? That's not what the Bible says, but for me, this is exciting. I love this verse. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, here's the context. This is the portion of the Bible. We're talking about Deuteronomy here. You've got Joshua coming up through in becoming the leader of the Israelites. Now, their leader, Moses, he's, you know, about to pass away. And it's time for him to pass the baton to Joshua. And Moses was no ordinary leader. His story is phenomenal. He's a legendary archetype in the Bible, uh, the type of person that you look to the, the story of Moses for encouragement during low times, for encouragement when things seem bleak and, and nothing good can happen. And you see over and over and over again in Moses's life where God reached into his existence and changed things for him, used him in ways that Moses didn't even think. Moses didn't think he could be used by God in this way. He, he even complained to God, I'm not an eloquent speaker. I stumble over my words. And God was like, yeah, but I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to speak through you. You don't have to have these skills. I have them. I will use you. And this is the encouragement for us. So after that phenomenal leadership and amazing, just, just the story of Moses from beginning to end, it's nothing but supernatural act after supernatural act and him obeying and walking in faith and God using him. And then you have Joshua who was obviously a very optimistic, forward-looking person. He was the one person to come back from the scouting out of the promised land with the big, you know, bigger-than-your-head-sized grapes and extra-large-sized fruits and vegetables and milk and honey and the beauty of the promised land. Everyone else said the people there are just as big as the fruit or even bigger, and they're, they have walled cities, and they're, they're, they're impressive, and they're not going to be easily overtaken by us, the tiny Israelites. Joshua was the only one who said, the Lord has already given them into our hand. So he was already kind of ahead of the curve there. So he's coming up and Moses calls for him. And Moses says to Joshua, be strong and courageous for you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to their fathers to give them and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. And then in verse eight, he says, The Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Now, 
over and over again, if you go through and read Deuteronomy and continue on forward, you'll see how Joshua had really big things to do for God. God didn't give him any small tasks. He said, go in and wipe out this group of people that, you know, basically giant people in comparison to the Israelites. Numerous. These people were many in their number, strong in, in their fortresses and their walled cities. And God would say, I have already given them into your hand. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And over and over again, he says that to Joshua and Joshua repeats it to the people. And then they go forward in battle and they utterly obliterate their enemies because God told them to do it. So the encouragement here today that we have to confess to God is, first of all, we're going to feel discouragement as human beings. We know this. But God says, do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. But why? Does he say, you know, don't be dismayed because we're Americans? As much as y'all know I like America, it's not because of Americanism or our nation that we should not be afraid. It's because we serve a God who is absolutely able to do greater and above all that we dare ask or think according to the power that works in us. And that's Jesus Christ. So when we're facing the obstacles, which I know you're facing, I'm facing them. We all have things we're going through and dealing with problems. Some seem insurmountable. Some we've already been told that's the last thing. That's stage four. You're fired. You're let go. You're downsized. That's the end of that investment. That person stole money from you, stole this from you. That person told stories about you, told lies about you. That person has gotten a, a, a good a good relationship that was on the horizon. It's now obliterated. But the Bible doesn't change. The word for you is do not be discouraged. Do not fear. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Bible also says he's working all things out for the good of those who are called and according to his purpose. But just before that, it says you have to obey. So that's, that's what we have to focus on. In our moments of discouragement, praise, worship, scripture, fellowship with other believers, and continue to pray and trust God. And when we do that, we can rest in this scripture, knowing that the Lord himself goes before you, he will be with you. And so that's our uh, daily confession for today. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. So now let's turn, uh, speaking of um, looking back and kind of pondering and considering what's gone before, President Trump was asked by an interviewer if he could had any regrets over the past two years and it was there anything that he would maybe do differently or you know is there any regret going on for you right now going into this momentous occasion namely today the election which is really a referendum on the Trump agenda and it's going to you know kind of prove was 2016 a fluke or was it something real and um and and long-lasting something that Americans want to continue and so he had an answer which I thought was really, it was an interesting answer because I wasn't expecting our blustery president to respond in this way. Let's listen. It's number six. Well, there would be certain things. I'm not sure I want to reveal all of them, but I I would say tone. uh, I would like to have a much softer tone. I feel to a certain extent I have no choice, but maybe I do. And maybe I could have been softer from that standpoint, but I want to get things done. We've had tremendous victories on trade. We've had tremendous victories on so many different things. Uh, On our military, you look at what we've done with rebuilding the military. But I would say if there's anything, I think tone would be perhaps something. I'm not sure that if I did that, maybe I'd be swamped, okay? You know, swamped meaning with the other side, because I wouldn't say their tone's been so nice either. 
But that would be something I would uh, say that I'll be working on. We've already seen that. Um, I can tell you the performance that I've seen on the videos of rallies was a markedly different one, a major departure, in fact, from what I saw last week on Thursday evening in Columbia, Missouri, when I attended the Trump rally. Um, I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't still sharp. He was funny. He was sharp. He was very direct. But his criticism of the media was markedly softer than it has been in the past. And, I, you know, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And the Bible is always true. Um, but we also saw uh, in certain instances in the Bible where Jesus himself, he, he didn't softly say to the money changers, you know, you, you need to uh, stop doing this. He, he got a whip out. He flipped tables. He was utilizing proper wrath to show um, disagreement with what they were doing and to cast them out of his house. And so it, I am not likening Donald Trump to Jesus. Don't don't please don't email me. I'm not likening him to that. But I am pointing to an example of when righteous indignation and anger is appropriate. And I think the president has to find a moderated point in which he can criticize those who treat him unfairly while still maintaining his decorum. Um, I actually don't have a problem with the things that he said in the past about media, et cetera, et cetera. These responses have been direct assaults in return for lies and misinformation that have been peddled about him constantly. And without that kind of fighting back, I don't think he would have been the person who was chosen to be the Republican nominee. So there's a lot to be said for reflecting and, and kind of charting a new course, especially at a, a demarcation point such as the one that we're experiencing now, the, the midterm election. Um, it remains to be seen if the, the, those statements and, and that kind of rancor that has gone on between him and media will have a negative impact on the election or whether Americans even care about that. Um, but I think he's held the line and it's been his true self that we've seen. And I, I respect it. I, I, I'm not one for wilting away and not responding. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. When we get back, we're going to have Jeremy Cady. He's a Missouri State Director for Americans for Prosperity. Stay right there. Roxy, nurse director for the Preborn Clinic in Southern California. I have this lady, and she came and she was very scared. Boyfriend didn't want her to have a baby, and she said, I don't want this baby. We provided an ultrasound. She was laying on a table, and there it was. It was a small baby. Then she heard the heartbeat. She heard the heartbeat, and she said, well, you know, it's alive. After hearing the heartbeat, she made a decision that she was going to keep her baby. She also made a decision that day to recommit herself to Jesus. Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country, helping abortion-minded mothers to choose life for their unborn babies. To find out more about how you can help save a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. 
or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. This is the Tuesday, November 6th edition of Our Daily Bread. Our loving Heavenly Father promises He is always present with us, even in our darkest moments. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread titled, Dad at the Dentist. It was written by Adam Holt. I didn't expect a profound lesson about the Father's heart at the dentist's office, but I got one. I was there with my 10-year-old son, and he had an adult tooth coming in under a baby tooth that hadn't fallen out yet. It had to come out. There was no other way. My son in tears pleaded with me, Dad, isn't there another way? Can't we just wait and see? Please, Dad, I don't want to have this tooth pulled. It just about broke my heart, but I told him, Son, it's got to come out. I'm sorry, there's no other way. And I held his hand as he wiggled while the dentist removed that stubborn molar. Tears in my eyes, too. I couldn't take his pain away. The best I could offer was to be present with him in it. In that moment, I remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane asking his father for a different way. How it must have broken the father's heart to see his beloved son in such agony. Yet there was no other way to save his people. In our lives, we sometimes face unavoidable yet painful moments, just like my son did. But because of Jesus' work for us through His Spirit, even in our darkest moments, our loving Heavenly Father is always present with us. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries and Streetlights. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here today. We are so happy to have you. Go to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com and hit the subscribe button. And you can also find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Jeremy Cady, Missouri State Director for Americans for Prosperity. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So let's talk about this. I've heard everything under the sun. Josh Hawley will blow Claire McCaskill out of the water. No one will remember sh- her name. Uh, Claire McCaskill will run over Josh Hawley. No one will ever know that he ran. It's going to be such an inconsequential blip in the histor- historical database. And I've heard that it's a neck-and-neck race, and we will be literally sweating bullets until the very last moment tonight at 1159 on the Secretary of State website for Missouri. What do you think? Well, you know, I do think that it's going to be close. Uh, but I do think that uh, Josh Hawley is likely to uh, pull ahead and succeed this evening. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's been close all summer long uh, leading up to this time period, but at the same time there's been a lot of items that have uh, uh, come to uh, uh, come to the forefront, you know, uh, the, the Kavanaugh uh, confirmation being one of them that really started to excite the base and really get people motivated. And I think we saw this with, uh, you know, the president coming into the uh, state a number of times, 
uh, goodness gracious, he was in mid-Missouri, you know, uh, late last or uh, earlier, and uh, had, I think, 25,000 people show up at Fort Dude for his uh, 7 o'clock appearance on a cold, rainy day. So, so I think... Uh, I think their base is energized and, and will be turning out. So, so I, I now, think uh, Holly. Did you say, uh, wh- where did you say that was, Jeremy? What, that he had 25,000? That was Columbia. Ah, yep, okay. So I was been, there. Uh, oh, were you? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it was an amazing crowd. It was fantastic. And he just had uh, a recent one down even in Cape Girardeau with, I think, 20,000, 10,000 oh inside, 10,000 outside. And so folks are energized and ready to go. And, and make sure that uh, the policies that uh, we've already been working on stay in place and we continue uh, working uh, to, to grow our economy and make sure it's clear. Okay, so speaking of that, because I'm, I'm glad you brought up the rallies because I think they were an unseen, uncalculated, unaccounted for phenomenon in the 2016 election. We were seeing the president draw crowds of 35,000 inside with another nine or 10,000 outside that couldn't get in. And the media was completely discounting the rallies. But then when the turnout happened and when we saw the, the certain states that had the rallies, the states that he paid attention to, that those rallies mattered. Like he won one of the states, I think, by 80,000 votes. And it was you know, you can act, literally add up the tallies of t- the tallies of the rallies and see that he energized voters by doing that. He paid a lot of attention to Missouri this election cycle. He's been here a record number of times, and the response has been, as you described, outstanding. People love to see him in person. They love to hear him. They love to walk three or four miles. That's me. Um, and they love to <laughs> actually stand in a you know half in half out of a hangar, and it's kind of cold, like you know maybe thirty forty degrees. And everyone's still waiting for hours and hours to hear him speak. Does that matter when it comes to turnout here in Missouri, especially in the outstate? You know, I think it does. And I think it's one of those things where, where you know, oftentimes, you know, we know that the opposition is energized, you know. And, and, and this is one of the things that, uh, uh, that, that I've also discussed a number of times is, is what, what are we working and fighting for versus what are they working and fighting for. So, you know, we're working for affordable health care. We're working for judges that, that respect the rule of law. Uh, we're working to ensure that Missourians keep more of their hard-earned cash in their own wallet. And the other side, you know, they're energized, but, but their, their, their main opposition and their, their, their main push is that they dislike our current president. Uh, and I, and I think I think that shows kind of the big difference there. So they're energized. At the same time, though, I don't think it's enough to to overcome uh, the energy that uh, uh, that we see on our side. The uh, the energy that also the president's been uh, helping bring to the stage as well. Let's talk a little bit about the specifics here. I saw on Monday that Claire McCaskill announced that she's no longer opposed to the Hyde Amendment. Um, which is a, an extraordinary position for her to take in light of her support in dollars, actual hard cash from NARAL and Planned Parenthood. That was an announcement she made on Monday. Uh, last week, she said that she wasn't a crazy Democrat, and she also made an announcement that she would support whatever the president wanted to do on the southern border. What's making her say these crazy things? Well, what's making her say these things is uh, she's worried that she's about to lose her job. Uh, I mean that's that's the bottom line. Uh, we know that uh, a number of uh, 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 you know I, I, I think number one uh, Senator McCaskill uh, no longer reflects the values of Missouri. I think uh, I think Missourians 
get that. And I think uh, the senator is finally getting that as well. And and uh, I think finally something, uh, a light bulb, you know, lit up somewhere and said, hey, you know what, if, 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 if I'm going to have a chance of getting reelected, I need to uh, start, uh, you know, uh, representing the values that Missourians have, which isn't a bad thing. But at the same time, though, uh, I, I think we see this each time she runs, where where oftentimes while she's in D.C., uh, she 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 follows kind of uh, the Schumer Pelosi uh, uh, talking points, and then whenever she comes back to Missouri, she you know, tries to be the moderate. Um, and I and I think uh, I think Missourians are catching on to that though. I just wonder if that's that's it. So yesterday um, I went to pick up a couple of kids, got back home, pulled my mail out of my mailbox. And what do I see? But three mailers from Claire McCaskill, big ones, not the little postcards, not the half sheet postcards, but big full size postcards where you fold them out. And it's basically three pieces of heavy card stock, but it's all connected together. So that's extra money for folding, extra money for full color on both sides. Someone just dumped a lot of money into her campaign for her to do this last minute push. Do you think it gets her over the top or are Missourians already, you know, minds made up and they're already in absentee voting, which ended on Friday, I think, or Saturday. And then, of course, now today is the election day. You know, um, I, I, like I said, I, I think I think in the end it, it remains remains close. Um, you know, she's she's really pushed hard. Her side and her base are energetic as well, but it, only because they dislike uh, the current president and the policies that he's pushing. But at the same time, though, um, I don't think uh, I don't think they can overwhelm. I think what's already built, uh, you know, around Holly, around the president, and and I think another another factor to kind of really look at this is whenever you look at uh, the local elections, the state rep elections, the state senate elections, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Democrats are not going to be performing as well as I think everyone had initially thought that they were. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm, it's my thought that in the state house, uh, super majorities are still kept uh, by the Republican Party. And if the top of it reflects the bottom of the ticket at all, uh, you know, after after today is over, uh, then Holly comes away with this uh, um, pretty easily. I tend to agree with you, but it's still early in the day and I just don't want to be disappointed tonight. This is one of those elections, Jeremy, where it's a little personal, you know, for some of us here in Missouri, after what Claire McCaskill kind of orchestrated against Todd Aiken and watching what was really he was a good, decent man brought down by, you know, a, a misspeaking in an interview. And then she she actually capitalized on that um, to to it was it was an orchestrated hit job. And she not only got away with that, but wrote a book afterwards and then went on to kind of brag about it all over the country and then supported Barack Obama as kind of a spitting in the face of Missourians who really were, were much more conservative slash moderate than we are full on Democrat. And she's been governing from the hard left. It would be so wonderful to see a fresh new face, someone new to politics like Josh Hawley, to go to Washington, D.C. on behalf of Missourians. I hope he pulls it through, but we won't know that until like midnight tonight. And so the nail biting begins. It does begin. And, and, and yeah, I, I still think it's going to be close, but I think at the end, uh, uh, Holly pulls it off. And, and, uh, uh, and, and yeah, I think we sent someone new to D.C. So what happens after tonight when we move past the midterms? What are you working on at Americans for Prosperity going forward after this? Well, uh, goodness gracious, there's a lot 
to be done. So, uh, you know, there's still more uh, more reforms as far as taxes go that uh, that we're still looking at. Uh, we're definitely going to be engaged in the state house, making sure that uh, uh, we're working on uh, education choice, uh, reducing regulations, reducing the size of government, and uh, just basically trying to remove all those barriers that government sets between you and reaching prosperity and success. Uh, and so that's that, that's what we'll continue working on and, uh, in both D.C. And, and in Jefferson City. Mm, I, I can't wait. I'm I'm excited that you guys are active in our state and that you're going to be kind of keeping our uh, elected officials feet to the fire, helping them to remember what they said on the campaign trail and why they ran um, and helping us as voters to kind of keep track of everything that's going on. Jeremy Cady, Missouri State Director for Americans for Prosperity. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. Good to talk to you. So we are going to now turn to some news and information. I have a ton of different things that have to do with the border. And you're welcome to call in all this hour. Uh, Specifically, if you went to vote today and you had a long, long wait, or if you just breeze right through or anything in between, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear live in the ground reports uh, from people across the country talking about how... uh, how it went for you today if you've already voted. And if you haven't voted yet, uh, what time do you plan to vote? What, where does this fall on your schedule? Do you, no one calls in and says they're not voting. That's, the only, that's my only thing I'll say that I don't want to hear. Uh, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. So I mentioned yesterday on the show, we went through a few of these. This is from um, Mike Brown. He's a pastor, author, uh, I, I believe he has a radio show, um, and he's a Christian apologist, happens to be Jewish, and he really has this fantastic piece about how to, in the first person, deal with these kind of midterm questions that you get if you're an evangelical. Um, so moving on, and the first ones we went on the show yesterday, you can find the podcast at urbanfamilytalk.com and afr.net. So number four is I voted for him because he's pro-Israel. To call him anti-Semitic is ridiculous. Not only is he the first president with a Jewish child and Jewish grandchildren, but he moved our embassy to Jerusalem. He confronted the corruption of the Palestinian leadership. He got out of the disastrous Iran deal and pulled America out of some blatantly anti-Israel UN organizations. The next ones are pretty quick. I can run them down quickly for you. He has, has and will fight. He's promised to fight for religious liberties. And he opposes radical LGBT activism. He pushed back against the misappropriation of Title X or Title IX, not Title X, Title IX by the Obama administration. He's pushed back against trans activism in the military. And he stopped celebrating Gay Pride Month in June. So what would Hillary and the Democrats have done? The opposite of that. So the president has really been good on on that on that topic area. I voted for him because he's concerned about the genocide of Christians in the Middle East. I voted for him because the economy is humming. Many Americans are benefiting, including black Americans. What choice did I have? It was really a choice between the the two sides we saw during the Kavanaugh hearings. Mike Brown points out that there were militant feminists who were behaving in a very ugly and extreme way. The pro-abortion crowd was extreme. And Democratic leaders on the Senate uh, Judiciary Panel, they were unethical. It was blatant and obvious that they were playing a game with the life of an actual living, breathing human being named Judge Kavanaugh. So, you know, examining the faith of another person means you're going to actually have to stop 
demonizing them and delegitimizing them and look at their life. Look at how they behave. Look at how their children behave. Look at their response to mistreatment or their response to negative circumstances and then judge. That goes for everyone. Um, It's just a little harder if you're actually out there campaigning and actively trying to promote abortion. It kind of goes against your Christian testimony. Just, you know, just throwing that out there for you. All right, let's go to the phones really quickly. We have about a minute left. Um, Diana in Florida. Hey, Diana, did you vote already? Okay. Okay, yes, perfect. Yes, we did. Mom and I voted red. Yes. And this means very much to us because we're Cubans and we know the fight of com- communism. Ah, thank you. That so is such a great is testimony. <laughs> close to our heart. We believe that this country is the best there is and we have to fight for it and we know what the freedom is. Perfect. Thank you, Diana. Diana's in Florida. She and her mom already voted. They voted straight red ticket. Fantastic. Let's go to Chris in Arizona. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much. Sorry, Arkansas. Chris in Arkansas. Arkansas. Thank you for calling into the show. <laughs> uh, voted first day of early voting. Straight Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a, my question. I got a question though. What happens after Donald Trump has done so much work to keep the Republicans in control? Or once they once we win tonight, are they going to back him, get behind him and back him, or are they going to backstab him like they have been this whole two years? You know, Chris, this is what I think has happened. I think they were tacitly happy with some of the things he was doing, but they were hanging back. And I think at this point, they're going to hang with him pretty closely because of what happened during the Kavanaugh hearing. Because he was able to pull that off, he and and obviously Mitch McConnell working together with uh, Chuck Grassley, they were able to pull it off. And I think they're going to work with the president, especially if there are wins tonight for the Republicans. If they keep the House, he's going to stick with them. Hang on. If you're on the line, hang on. uh, If you're leaving us. Good evening from the heartland. Don't forget to vote. Pray and vote. Pray and vote. And if you're staying with us, we have onenewsnow.com coming at you with news and information. Or no, we don't. You know what? I'm totally thinking we're at the end of the show. This is the end of the second segment. We'll be back with more, including your calls, right after this. take to live an uncommon life. Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Almost all of us in the United States have been blessed financially, at least compared to the rest of the world. When my family and I went to South Africa, we saw that distinction firsthand. Corrugated cardboard homes, old discarded tires for walls, and streams of dirty water running through the shanty towns. The question then becomes, What will we do with those blessings God has given us? We should use our money to share with those in need. God isn't keeping track of the amount of money you give. He's more concerned about your heart and your willingness to give in the first place. 
Do you need to rethink your giving plan? Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. I'm Will Addison, director of Urban Family Talk. We desire to be a movement of time tellers. In 1 Chronicles 12.32, it says, The sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. In these perilous times, God is raising up a people of discernment who will see, pray, and act. We sound the alarm as watchmen. We cry aloud that God's people may be activated for His service. Join the movement at urbanfamilytalk.com. Chris Brooks. We cannot underestimate the responsibility of evangelism. That is why shows like this, Equipped, which is committed to equipping you every day to live, share, and defend your faith, are extremely important because anyone who does not confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is outside of God's saving grace. Equipped, weekdays at noon central on Urban Family Talk. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Well, it has finally happened. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and his wife, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, were out to dinner when four angry men began yelling at them. Instead of stunned silence, the mob was met with angry boos from other diners nearby. The leader of the mob of four turned around in surprise. Instead of succeeding in forcing the McConnells out of the diner, they themselves were compelled to leave. This is the natural reaction to disorderly conduct and signals a return to the social compact that Americans have successfully maintained for the overwhelming majority of the history of this country. It is not normal for public servants to be routinely accosted in public. We do not know the political leanings of the other diners who defended the McConnells, and that is as it should be. Their politics are unimportant. Good people must always stand up to the mob. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, let's go to the phones. We have one more caller. And if you want to join in, uh, we have a whole segment here. Not like I said before that the show was uh, end, of the, end of this hour. We still have one more segment left. So if you want to call, you're welcome to do so. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Keith in Michigan, thank you so much for calling the show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I did vote. It was great. And it was amazing because most of the time I, I vote every time that I can. Every time that I have gone to vote for a midterm election, it is a very low turnout. And I've always been near the end of the day, I'm like voter 1800 or something like that. I came in in the middle of the day where I'm at in Michigan, and there were I was number 7,500. And I was like, wow, this is a large turnout. And it was another great thing, is, and you'll love this. I ran into a 97-year-old World War II from a U.S. Army Air Corps guy who flew on a C-54. So mm-hmm. back in World War II, it was wonderful to talk to a veteran. Wow, seventy five hundred, Keith, amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, fantastic. That's, that's some great turnout, <laughs> and that's in Michigan. Let's hope those are red voters. Uh, Jesse in Texas, thank you so much for calling the show today. 
Uh, the reason I was calling is because of the way the Democrats are sneaking through to do things that most of the people are not even thinking about. Uh, we had a uh, uh, Fox News in Fort Worth, Texas, having a check on the voter registration and found that uh, 80 uh, people were registered to a mailbox store instead of using the box numbers, using apartment numbers, and 20 of them had already voted. Mm. Wow. Um, so, again, we got to have our roles cleared up. We got we got to do a better job with all of that. Uh, and and I just I'm so exhausted by people who seem to think that there's a um, a real problem with just making sure that we only have people who are supposed to vote to vote. Um, let's also be in prayer that we would have that going on, that we would have a genuine um, cleaning up of our voter rolls. I want to listen to this audio of Rick Wilson, who's the founder of Intrepid Media, saying we need to put a bullet in Donald Trump. And it's it's not so much that I believe that Rick Wilson, founder of Intrepid Media, would actually shoot the president, but it's the rhetoric that they're constantly whining about that they're also engaging in. And my question is, which is it? And then we'll go straight back to the phones. It's number one. Trump is still a very powerful force right now, and he's still holding a lot of, uh, of, of the, the part of the base that is very activated by his message, the nativist message that, 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 that's got a, a fraction of the base very energized. And the donor class can't just sit back on the sidelines and say, oh, well, don't worry, this will all work itself out. They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Now, he was referring to the... It's a big, huge discussion about, you know, Mueller. Remember back in the beginning when Mueller was first uh, appointed to do this investigation and he was named special prosecutor. And and then there was all this talk about the Russian collusion, which, by the way, notice none of the Democrats are running on that. And everyone was going on cable news talking about this. uh, You know, I'm going I'm I'm I'm. We're, that's how we're going to take out Donald Trump. It's going to be that he colluded with the Russians. We're going to take him out. Well, that conversation devolved into a lot of really nasty imagery about killing the president. And it culminated with Kathy Griffin and her, you know, Trump beheading uh, photo shoot that she did. And that that was what it took for people to kind of say, whoa, is this is this who we are? You know, (laughs) to quote Barack Obama. Let's go to the phones. We have Bart in Mississippi. Hey, Bart, thanks for calling the show today. Uh, You're welcome. I voted this morning. I was number 85. Nice. So, was it a wait? Did you have to wait very long, or was there a line after you left? No, uh, I went early to, to go to the line. Uh, my area, everybody usually votes after work, so uh, I try to beat the crowd. Yeah, it's smart to vote in the morning. You don't have to wait as long. Yeah, which uh, was also a first for me. Was uh, my wife is an immigrant and uh, she's studying for her citizenship. And uh, she got she had the voting process works this morning. Mm. Nice. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for calling the show today. Mary in Ohio, thank you so much for calling the show. Well, thank you for letting me uh, talk. Uh, I believe that uh, when they're elected, really, any candidate is elected, they should no longer be Democrat or Republican. They should be for the house, for the country. But mm. I voted for the man that I campaigned for, campaign for, and that's Donald. 
and the Republican Party. I've changed from one party to another to do this. But I believe that the way the things are today, our young people are taught the, the wrong things, and they need to know what our country needs and what it is to us and them. Mm. Thank you for your comment. Nice, nice to speak with you. Um, let's go to Jesse in Texas. Hey, Jesse, did you vote already? Hey, Stacy. Hey. I wanted. I tried to call. We got uh, uh, cut off. But what I was calling about is, I voted and voted straight Republican, and think that uh, that's the only way we're going to be able to make this country go. But I have a concern in Fort Worth, Texas. There was a, a news report trying to get information from open records. Uh, and one of the things that they were searching for was they have found that uh, in a strong Republican congressional uh, region, there are it's using mailbox stores to register people in there using apartment numbers instead of uh, mailbox numbers. And there was on this, just this one, there were 80 registered voters, and 20 of them had already voted last week. Mm. And this is not permitted, I suppose, with the mailbox numbers. Uh, that's, that's not a valid address for uh, registering to vote. Hmm. All right. That's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, let's go to Kim in Kentucky. Kim, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Um, I voted. I voted straight Republican. Yes. So was it a long wait? Uh, no, actually, we had, um, we walked right in. We were there about 12, my husband and I. We had two or three people who came in right around us, but it was straight in, straight out. We're in a small community. Um, voted straight Republican, avoiding uh, some of the, uh, vote, avoided voting for some of the deaths that were not being challenged. We didn't want to give them our vote. Hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for calling the show today. Um, so fascinating results from across the country. Lots of people going out and voting. Lots of people getting in there. Um, they're, they're, it's, your, it's your right, yes. It's your responsibility, really. Um, funny. So when uh, I, I talked about this event that I attended, uh, not last Friday, but the Friday before, where I was the MC of this prayer breakfast and David Barton of Wall Builders was the speaker, and he talked about how he has a rabbi that he studies under. He's a Christian, but he studies under a, a Jewish rabbi because he wants to learn from someone who speaks Hebrew who can help him interpret the Bible. And he talked about the stu- one of the studies that they've done together is all of the words that we have in our language, in English, that are not that, that do not have a corresponding word in the Hebrew language. And so one of those words is rights. The Bible never talks about rights. It only talks about responsibilities. Now, that's pretty fascinating if you think about it, um, that God doesn't talk about your right to this or your right to that. He talks about your responsibility to do this or your responsibility to abstain from that. Um, So interesting way of looking at what we are or are not permitted to do. Um, I don't see a name on that one there. Someone's called in, but they have no name um, and they say they voted. Sure, let's take a call from that person. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for calling in. Hello. Hi. 
Hello. Thanks for calling the show. What's your comment? Well, my comment is, first, I voted. I voted absentee. I live in Illinois, and I'm Phil, by the way. And the reason I voted absentee is because the Republican Party in the area where I live sent out letters encouraging us to vote early and to vote absentee because our votes would definitely count that way. Of course, I live in a heavily Democratic state. So I voted absentee, and I tell everybody that I will not vote for anyone who comes from a party that only supports a pro-choice action. So unless they're coming from a party that will change their party line, it's always straight Republican for those in my household. Hmm. That's, that's a good, it's a good policy to have and a good one to vote on. Thanks for calling the show, Phil. Jake in Arizona, thank you for calling the show. Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thanks for calling. We need to pray for him. I, I, I voted early and uh, got it done, and I wanted to drive around the whole community and see how many people was in the line voting. And I didn't see none of our brothers and sisters in the line. I mean, I was just shocked. And when I went vote, I was the only one in there. I went, mm. what's going on around here? We are not voting. But I did vote all red. Yeah, I did too. I And I was the only person of the permanent tan in, in my polling place too. But that's not too unusual for my polling place. Um, but it's 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 an interesting phenomenon we, didn't, we do need to pray about that, that people would feel more of a responsibility to vote. Um, let's go to Darlene. Thank you so much for calling the show, Darlene. Hi, Stacey. I thank you for all that you say and all that you do for Christ. Thank you. Um, I believe that we need to vote for someone, any, the candidate that's going to respect our Constitution, because the person that respects the Constitution, our country was formed on freedom of religion. And it wasn't um, a secular country. It was formed on Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and so, therefore, they believed in the Ten Commandments, which is basically all in our Constitution. So every time I talk to somebody about somebody, several people ask me, where should I vote? Who should I vote for? And I'm saying, you can vote for someone that's going to represent the Lord. Who's going to honor the Ten Commandments? That's do not kill. Well, that takes care of Democrats. They all want to kill the babies. Mm-hmm. You know, so many things against the, the Ten Commandments kills the Constitution. So, I mean, they, they go together like glue. And that's what matters. And I voted red the first day, October 22nd. I was there at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I voted <laughs> all but one person, and that was the Bush brother that's trying to mess up our Texas history. So who did I vote for? The one that I thought at least had the chance, the libertarian, that would kill the Democrats vote. So there you go. Um, but all of the rest was red. <laughs> I'm with you. I did the same thing, Darlene. I, I, um, there was one that was just a Democrat running unopposed for county prosecutor that I didn't vote for. Um, because he's he's going to win. It doesn't matter what I what even if I wrote in Mickey Mouse, he's going to win that because he's running unopposed. Um, and enough people are going to vote that he at least has some votes as opposed to none. Um, and I, I'm not even sure what happens if no one votes for you, but you run unopposed. I, I, I believe you still get the seat. So uh, but the rest of the things I, I researched and we had actually a kind of a round robin discussion with a bunch of uh, some acquaintances of mine and a few friends and. Uh, kind of went through the ballot measures. And so we had some good information there. 
Um, I just encourage you if you if you the day is still young, if you're sitting and listening to the program or if you're uh, catching this later on, uh, you know, you're tuning into a podcast later and you're hearing my voice unless it's past 7 p.m. And I think in some states they stay open even later than that. But I know here in Missouri it's 7 p.m. You can still vote. And in most states, if you get in line before the poll closes, even though the poll is technically closed because it's after seven, they have to let you vote because you were in line before the poll closed. So don't let the day get away from you. I know as the day wears on, the closer and closer we get to the witching hour, which is picking up kids, fighting traffic, getting dinner on the table, people tend to weaken in their resolve. Don't be that person. Go get the kids, take them with you to the polls, stand there and talk to them about why it's important that you vote. You know, grab a couple of bags of chips or a couple of apples on your way out the door, pick the kids up, give them the apples and the chips and stand and wait in line and cast your vote. That's what we're required to do. Not the apples and the chips, but the voting. Um, and I want to I want to have everyone feeling as if they did what they could do tomorrow morning, because that's that's when it really matters. Um, when it was 2016 and we woke up that next morning. It's it really it's kind of like technically woke up. We'd stayed up so late the night before because we went to an election night party, watched the returns, and we were pretty sure that Donald Trump had won and that all of the Republicans in the state of Missouri had won. But we were still thinking, you know, anything is possible. And so I remember getting up that morning and I think I'd only slept like two hours. And I looked at what was going on and people were losing their minds on online social media. And I was like, oh, it must be real. Well, it was real. And I felt like, you know, I'd left it all on the field. I'd done all that I could do. And I feel like that this time as well. I'm hoping tomorrow for a great result. But in any case, I'll know that I did what I was supposed to do. You do the same. Get out and vote. Exercise your responsibility as a citizen of these United States of America. Cast your vote. iVoterGuide.com is where you can find out information specific to your state and races. And, uh... God bless. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Urban Family Talk.